change of tack tonight. We're not going to be going to Genesis 49. We're going to go into 2 Timothy chapter 4. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. title of the message tonight is Good Times, Good Times, Bad Times, Bad Times. Two Timothy chapter 4, and just reading verse 2. Paul said to Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Preach the word. The AV says, be instant, instant, in season and out of season. Life for sure seems to go in cycles, does it not? We have the cycles of the seasons. We have the cycles in our plants. They bud, they blossom, some bears fruit, then they wither, then the spring comes, and then they begin the whole process all over again. Even the stars in their courses has their season. There's a constellation called the Summer Triangle. Of course, it's a summer constellation, isn't it? Whenever you see the great hunter, the mighty Orion, you know that winter is upon us. So even the very stars in their courses go in their seasons. And Paul here says as much when he writes to his young prodigy in the faith that spiritually too we have Seasons. Now, Timothy, this young man that is a, a young pastor in Ephesus, Paul wrote his first letter to him, and then several years later, he writes his final and last letter. And a lot happens between those two letters. When he wrote the first letter, things was wonderful in the church in Ephesus. It was a large growing, thriving church spread out all over that great city. And I'm sure even though it had its problems, all churches do, but it must have been an exciting season for Timothy to be involved in pastoring and eldership in that great church. But by the time Paul writes this second and last letter, things has dramatically changed. Rome has been burned. Many say, of course, that Nero deliberately set fire to it, that he may rebuild it again uh, after the order of which he wanted. But he needed a scapegoat, and Christians were the easy target for his vicious campaign of reprisals, and he set a course to destroy Christianity. And because this city, Ephesus, was one of the major Roman cities in Asia, and most especially because it was the hub of Christianity in Asia, then that became right to the very forefront, right on the very front lines of this great wave of persecution that was to sweep through the church. And so now, when Paul writes to Timothy the second time, Timothy is entering into quite another season. Entirely different season than the first one. Because now things were very, very different in the church. And even though now there was trouble within the ranks of the church and many were leaving the church, it was diminishing even in number because of the persecution. 
Not everyone could handle it. Some left and went back to the old ways. And so, on top of that, Timothy was having to deal with dissension and rebellion, uh, even within the leadership of the church. And so this is a difficult season he's entered into. Not so exciting, tremendously hard work, dangerous to boot. Chances were he could maybe lose his life. So this was going to be a very difficult season. And so Paul, writing to him one last time, and Paul knowing, and if I could use his own words, that the time of his departure was at hand. He knew that the time of his execution under Nero was about to happen very, very soon. And so he writes one last time to Timothy, and he said simply, preach the word, be instant, in season, and out of season. Now the word instant here is ephistemi. And ephistemi simply means to stand your ground, stay at your post, don't move. Everything else is shifting around you. People are leaving in droves. You're having trouble within the leadership. There's all kinds of dissension, rebellion, and all stuff's going on. He says, stand your ground, stand your post, be instant. Ephesemi, be instant in season. The word season there is kairos. And kairos means times or seasons. And so when he says, be instant in season and out of season, he uses this word kairos in two different ways. He prefixes it with two little words. When he says, be instant, to stand firm, to stay at your post in season, he prefixes it with a little term EU, you, you. And when he says, stand firm out of season, he prefixes it with a little letter A. And those two little letters, U and A, change the entire meaning of the word. They're very, very significant. Because the little word U means good, pleasurable, happy. So when he says, stand fast, be firm, stay at your post in happy times, in good times, in pleasurable times. Then he says, and also, when you use the little word A, it means the opposite, it means bad times, unhappy times, difficult seasons. So put that all together, and what he's literally saying is, Timothy, whether it's good times or bad times, whether it's an easy season or a difficult season, whether it's an uptime or a downtime, stay at your post. Do not quit. Don't give up. That's what he's saying to Timothy. Now we often say, do we not? I mentioned this morning, we often say, if we look back at a, a happy recollection, maybe a special night out that we had, or an anniversary meal, or birthday party, or a holiday, or a cruise, we say, good times, good times. And they were good times. And it's nice to look back on good times, isn't it? We all love good times. 
It's great, isn't it? It's wonderful when the sun shines on your back and the sky is blue and the birds are singing and the world is your oyster and the blessings of God are overtaking you. It's wonderful, isn't it? Those are good times. And it's easy to stay at your post. It's easy to stand firm in the good times. And Paul encouraged Timothy to do that and enjoy that. But what about the other seasons? What about when the storm clouds have gathered? What about when the ground is as hard as iron? What about when the winds of adversity are blowing straight in your face? It's not so easy then, is it? In those bad times. Now that's what Timothy was facing at this particular season. And it would have been such a relief for him, I'm sure, to give up his post. When I was a young man in ministry, and I've said this before, as a young man in ministry, whenever I was around other pastors, particularly older pastors, one or two of them said, oh, you know, I was about to give up. I was nearly quitting. I just had enough. And, and I used to look at it and think, how could anybody say that? This is God's work. But then I lived a while longer. <laughs> had to face some stuff. <laughs> And I thought, hmm, yeah, right enough. <laughs> I can understand that too, true. <laughs> because it's not all good times, good times. Sometimes you face those other seasons. And so the pressure was unrelenting. It was bad enough having to fight the world, the flesh, and Nero. But not only that, he had conflict even within the ranks of God's people. In church of all places. <laughs> Ah, uh, we never have any trouble in church, sure we don't. You never get offended or you never have any trouble with anybody. Everything's plain sailing every week, isn't it? No? No. <laughs> no, of course not. And so, Paul the old warrior, he's writing to Timothy in his great hour of need, and he's saying, and I'll paraphrase, he's saying, Son, I don't know what else to say. I know you're getting it tough. I know you're getting it difficult. It's a difficult season. But even though you feel it giving up, even though it doesn't seem it's worth the hassle, even though people have let you down, friends have deserted you, and the devil himself is trying to tear down everything you've ever built up in your life. I know all of that. But here's my advice. Be instant, in season, and out of season. Stand Firm, stay strong, stay at your post. That's what he's saying. Now that's, it's not 15 hours of counseling here. That's just plain, simple. Here's a man that's facing death. Here's a man who knows he's going to be executed very soon for his faith. Here's a man who had a million reasons to give up in life and in ministry. But he didn't. So he says, listen, this season will pass. The sun will shine again. The sky will be blue again. If, if, if you stay strong and you stand firm and you don't give up. I'm not speaking to anybody tonight. Now Paul is not writing in a vacuum here. 
Here's a man that's writing from experience. Here's a man that had the good times and the bad times and everything in between. Here's a man that was saying, all those in Asia have left me. <laughs> Can you imagine that? All those in Asia. All those people I want for Christ. All those people that were leaders, they've all left me. All of them, they've left me. Deserted me. Even Demas, his co-worker, he says, has forsaken me, having loved this present world. <laughs> said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. Well, that was a season. And he remembered it. He looked back on it. He says, he, he actually did me much harm. Hurt me badly. Then he says, I know how to abound, and I know how to be abased. So I know what it's like to be in season, I know what it's like to be out of season. I've been in the good times, I've been in the bad times. I've had the up times, I've had the down times. I've faced it all. What season are you in right now? What season are you facing today? Good times or bad times? If I was to take you aside privately and say, brother, sister, what season are you in tonight? Could you be able to tell me it's wonderful? The Lord is blessing. I'm overtaken by God's blessing. Or would you say, hmm, things is tough. With all kinds of doubts and fears, within and without, all kinds of stuff have been taking place in my life. I don't know whether I'm up or down or in or out or where I am. Is that how you'd feel? In the bad times? Well, Jesus had his in-seasons and out-of-seasons also. He had his Hosanna Day. Remember the Hosanna Day? Remember whenever they lined the streets when he came into Jerusalem? And they all shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they waved their palm branches. Wonderful. What a greeting. Hmm. That was an in-season time, wasn't it? But then he had... Gethsemane night. That was an out-of-season time. When he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood. When he was so agonizing in prayer that blood began to appear on his brow. That's pressure, isn't it? That's stress. That's agony. And he looked around, and his three dearest friends on earth were sleeping. Couldn't even watch with him one hour, he said. He had nobody, not one person on earth to watch him when he was in agony of soul. Peter had his walk on the water season, didn't he? <laughs> what a season that was. Bold, courageous. <laughs> what a wonderful time that was. Talk about good times. Doesn't get any better than that. Sure it doesn't. I mean, think about it. Can you imagine being on a boat and the water is, waves is roaring around you, the wind's howling, and you would even dare to get out of the boat. Even dare to walk on that sea. What faith, what courage. Boy, that was an in-season, all right. But then he had his out of season, didn't he? 
He had his denial of Christ season. Never thought it would happen to him. Sure he didn't. So convinced that he was so strong. He was so spiritual. He was just so super holy. It just couldn't possibly ever happen to him that he would ever even dream of denying Jesus. How could that happen? If all these forsake you, yet will I not. <laughs> Imagine. And within hours of saying that, he was denying his very Lord and Christ. David had his season of slaying lions and bears and giants. <laughs> he had his time whenever the woman of Israel were singing that Saul had slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. He was the toast of the whole nation. He was the hero of the country. What an end season that must have been. What a feeling of euphoria and joy. But then he had his Bathsheba season. And he's down to the depths. He's down to the very depths, isn't he? So, what are you, what if you're having one of those out-of-season times? What if the sun isn't shining tonight? What if you've lost your joy and your peace and the thrill of following Christ? What if you are having doubts and concerns? What are you going to do? Well, Paul said to Timothy, preach the Word. Now, he's talking to a preacher, isn't he? So in other words, he's saying, do what you know to do. Do what you're supposed to do. But stand firm. State your post. And be instant. Out of season. Not just when it's an in-season time. When it's easy. But when it's tough. When everything in your flesh says no. When it goes against the very grain of your flesh, and it's a struggle just to even stand, Paul says, be instant. Stead your post. You say, well, what about how I feel? What about how I feel? I know all of that, but what about how I feel inside? Martin Luther said, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, not else is worth believing. Now, not to minimize our feelings. Feelings are part of our makeup. It's not a simple thing just to say, part your feelings. Your feelings doesn't matter. We have feelings. Got to deal with them. Got to live with them. Got to overcome them sometimes. They're not going to go away. We're not robots. <laughs> We're not unfeeling. All of us feel. And we hurt. And we have pain. And we get sore at times. And we get angry and frustrated and annoyed. But sometimes we just, we simply have to own them. We have to acknowledge them not bury our head in the sand and 
say, well, I don't feel anything. I'm just so strong and so mighty. No, no, no. If you feed it, you feed it. It's one thing, though, to admit our feelings, isn't it, and own them, but it's another thing to allow them to completely control our lives. And that's the difference. Because if we're not careful, our feelings will control our lives. We'll have to deal with them. We've got them. They're not going to go away. But if we don't deal with them, they will control us. And then the bad times, when it really comes, then our feelings and not the Word of God will take over. And then we won't be instant when we're out of season. We won't be instant when we're out of season. When what we feel becomes dominant more than the Word of God says about us, then we are in an out-of-season time and our feelings will dominate our thinking and we'll have to deal with it. Are you still with me? Well, I'm not speaking in a vacuum here either. <coughs> Stuff happens in life. You have to deal with it. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you shed your tears. Sometimes it brings grief to your soul. Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it makes you angry. But you have to deal with it. Because if you don't, it will absolutely control you and swallow you up. So Paul said to this young man who was facing a difficult time, the most difficult time in his entire ministry. That's what it was. Life and death situation for him. And Paul says, stay at your post. Stand firm. Stand your ground. Don't give up. Be instant in season and out of season. Now the psalmist was particularly good at owning and expressing his feelings. And I think that Humanly, that's why we like the Psalms. I think we recognize ourselves in the Psalms. Uh, any believer that's saved any length of time will tell you that if you go through a difficult time, it's the Psalms you inevitably turn to because the psalmist is so honest uh, and he's so true about his feelings and you can so identify with what he says even when he's angry. And we say, yeah, I know how he feels. I've been there. I, I feel that. That's what I think at times too. But the psalmist was also good at acknowledging God's Word. Psalm 73 is a good example of that. Uh, I just want to read from the New Living Translation in Psalm 73. And this is a psalm of Asaph. Asaph was the David's uh, choir director, his worship leader, call it what you will. Uh, David had a great choir that got, was going 24-7, 365 days a year. They took shifts to do it. And Asaph was one of those choir directors. Here's a man who was in the house of God continually. He loved God with all of his heart. But a man for all of that, and a man with a struggle going on inside of him, that probably at that time nobody knew was happening. Because when he would go into the house of God and he would lead the choir, uh, it would be wonderful and he would be doing his job and he would be at his post and probably those looking at him uh, would not even realize what was going on internally in his heart. But in this psalm, he, he expresses what he was feeling. And he says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. And so he's acknowledging that God is good to his children. 
When your heart is pure, he's generous, he's good, he blesses. But he says, as for me, I almost lost my footing. And my feet were slipping. And I was almost gone. Yes, I know that God is good to those who are pure in heart, but as for me, well, my heart's not as pure. In fact, my feet were slipping and I was almost gone. And so, here is this man who's standing in the house of God. He's a leader in the house of God. He's doing what he's supposed to do. But in his heart, there's a conflict. There's a great conflict going on in his spirit. And he's trying to deal with it. And we get an insight to what's going on in his heart. And here was his problem. He says, I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. Now, this is an age-old problem for believers. Why does it seem that the wicked get away with what they get away with? Why does it seem that they prosper, and that they're seemingly blessed, and that the saints of God struggles? I mean, if God is good to Israel, why are we struggling so much? When we look across the world and we see others who have no interest in God or the things of God or maybe even anti-God and they seem to be doing well, thank you very much. Why is that? It's a problem, isn't it? The trouble was he saw their present, but he forgot their future. Well, he thinks about their future later on, but right now he's forgot their future. He's only thinking of their present. See it, Spurgeon says, who envies the bullock its fat when he remembers it's going to the slaughterhouse. <laughs> so here's a man was envying the bullock its fat. He saw these people getting fat on their riches and he was envying that. And at this moment, he wasn't thinking that they were heading to the slaughterhouse. We'll talk about that later. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everybody else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. <laughs> There's a term that's used today, isn't it? The fat cats of the city. So this is right up to date, isn't it? I mean, the wee pensioners struggling... We're told this winter that so many in Northern Ireland pensioners will have to decide whether to, between eating and heating. Because you can't do both to say. And the fat cats are getting away with murder, aren't they? They're getting their million pound bonuses year after year after year. And so he's looking at this and says, it's not fair. Can't understand it. Why does God allow that to happen? These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. And in their pride, they seek to crush others. And so here's a man who's, who's out of season in his heart. He's gone through all the motions in church, but in his heart, he's out of season. He's struggling with these issues. <coughs> Excuse me. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. I think that aptly describes the new atheism that's sweeping around the world today. It just seems to be gathering pace every day. 
people are becoming more emboldened to, <laughs> to voice their atheism. We were just talking to Tony and I the other day. Yesterday we were saying about uh, David Nattenborough, who was always an evolutionist, but now he's an out-and-out atheist, proud of it. So the people are dismayed and confused, drinking all their words. What does God know, they ask. Does the Most High even know what's happening? <laughs> think God cares about you and your troubles? Think He even knows what's happening? And so here's a man who's struggling with these issues in life. Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. But you know, he was envying the wrong people, wasn't he? Envy's bad, but if you envy the wicked, that's really bad. And he was envying the wicked. Of all people to envy, he was envying them. And he says, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I got nothing but trouble all day long, and every morning brings me pain. I thought once I become a Christian, I would just sail through this life and God would bless me. Nothing would happen to me and He would just favor me so much and I'd never have to have any trouble in life. I would just sail through in a beautiful fluffy cloud. It would be wonderful. I'd be in a bubble. And then bang, suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere, all hell is let loose against you. You think, God, where are you? Do you even know I'm going through this? And if you do, why do you not care? This is what this man was thinking in his heart. See, this is the honesty of the Bible, and it's good that it's here, isn't it? You know why? Because sometimes that's what you may think. Well, you may not say those exact words, but maybe that's what you're thinking at times. Particularly if it's an out-of-season experience that you're going through. And you know God is good, <laughs> and you know all of that academically, but an experience, is he good to me right now? And say, so, well, I'm not too sure about that. Because if he was, why is all this stuff happening? You see, that's the way our mind works. And this is exactly what he's thinking. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? What was the point of it all? I served the Lord. I've tried to live a holy life. <coughs> I went to all the solemn assemblies. I kept the feast days. I gave my offerings, made my sacrifices. I did all of that. And what did I get for it? Got pain every morning. Got trouble all day long. <laughs> you can see he's having a bit of a pity party, isn't he? And sometimes we do that too. And so inside, he's struggling with the big issues of life. He's in an out-of-season time, and he's struggling with it. Is God good, really? That's what he's saying. Is he really? I know he is. I'm supposed to say that. And that's what the Bible says. But an experience, is he really good? And he's being really honest about this. This is what he's thinking. He's kind of thinking out loud here. And then he says, verse 15. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. Now, he hasn't spoken this way to others. He's thinking it on the inside, but he hasn't been telling everybody about what he's thinking, what he's really thinking. He's owning his feelings, he's acknowledging them, but he's not telling everybody. 
He says, actually, if I told everybody how I really feel about God, I would be a traitor to your people. Because in his heart of hearts, he knows that God is truly good to Israel. He said that right at the start. He knows that in his heart of hearts. But in an out-of-season time, his mind and his emotions have run riot. And he's looked at all the wrong thing and all the wrong people, and now he's in trouble. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. And it is a difficult task. Vax the minds of the saints of all ages. Then he said, Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Now notice what he's doing here right now. And his thoughts. He's taking his thoughts back to the sanctuary, to the place of good times. Because this man, his best times was in the sanctuary. The times when he stood and led that great choir and worshipped to the heavens, when the temple roof almost lifted, and in the ecstasy, and in the joy of pure worship unto God, those were good times for this man. And when he got back into the sanctuary and he thought about the good times he had in the house of the Lord, his mind began to change. And whenever you're thinking God's not as good as people say He is, He's not as good to me as I thought He would be, and your mind's playing all these tricks on you, then think, but what about those good times? What about those times when I really did have the joy of the Lord? What about those times in the house of God when I felt His presence so wonderfully upon me? What about those times when God spoke to me? What about those times God made provision for me? What about those times when He blessed me so much? Whenever you begin to think about that, your whole attitude begins to change. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you have put them on a slippery path, sent them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. <coughs> Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, the writer to the Hebrews admonishes us to be very careful lest a root of bitterness, bitterness springing up from within, trouble us. And the danger is when we go down this path and we think these things, that we get bitter in our heart. Bitter against people, bitter against God, bitter against God's house, bitter against the people of God. It's a trap and it's a trick, and we need to be careful. And that's what he realized. He was bitter in his heart. I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Whenever he began to get a different perspective, he thought, how 
stupid was I to think that God didn't care about me? How silly was I to think, like a dumb animal, to think that God would forget me, that God <laughs> wouldn't take care of my needs? And then I says, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. Someone said he did not give up his faith, although he confessed his folly. But he did confess his folly, didn't he? But he didn't give up his faith. He says, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Good times are ahead. God has got a glorious destiny for each of us. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Hmm. Isn't that wonderful? See how he's turned around. See how now that he's seeing that in those out-of-season experiences, how your mind and your emotions, how it can go down that road, and before you know it, if you're not careful, you become bitter and cynical, but everything and everyone. And what he says, even though I acted foolishly and thinking that, thinking, God, that you weren't with me, that you're even against me, but he says, whom am I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. Glory to God. So what season are you in tonight? Are you in season or out of season? Are you experiencing and enjoying and acknowledging the blessing of God? Or are you wondering in your heart? And it's okay. That's why the psalm's here. God has got big, broad shoulders. This is why the psalm is here. This is why it reveals this man's heart. This was a good, godly man. He's thinking these things. Are you having some doubts? Some concerns about the goodness of God? Are you wondering, does God care? Does He understand my need where I am right now? Is He thinking about me? Is He planning for my good? Has He got good things in store? Have I got a destiny? The answer is yes. Yes. But the trick is, you've got to stay at your post. You've got to stand firm. You've got to stay strong. You've got to say, Lord, no matter what, I am going to stay by your side. <laughs> All hell may rage against me. My best friends may desert me. But, Lord, who have I in heaven but you? I am going to stand and stay true to Christ. Amen? And if you do that, you'll find a way through. Timothy went on from that. Strong in God. Great leader for Christ, left a great legacy behind, did a fantastic job in Ephesus in spite of all that happened. 
because he stood strong. Amen? Amen. And he was instant in season, out of season. Let's pray. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you that for everyone here tonight under the sound of this message, I thank you that your word already declares that good times are ahead. That you have planned good for us, not evil, to give us a hope and a future. And so, Lord, we look for those good times. Lord, for those who are in them right now, we bless you for that and we thank you. But Lord, for those who are out of season, it's a struggle and it's a pain and it's a difficult time they're in. I pray, Lord, that you'll give them the courage and the strength to stand firm. And to look to you in spite of it all and to trust you in spite of it all. That you're still a good God and you're a merciful God and you're a generous God. And Lord, that you're going to bless them. And Lord, that those good times will come. And Lord, that they'll be overtaken by your blessings once again. So Lord, we acknowledge you tonight, who you are, what you are, and what you do. And we give you thanks, Lord, for every blessing. We look back on those times in the past, Lord, when you met our needs, when you broke through in our lives. And Lord, when we had the joy of the Lord, which was our strength, we thank you for those times. And we look forward, Lord, in the future to even greater and better and bigger days because that's your promise to us, your children. So we thank you, Lord, that in this life, Lord, we have something to look forward to. Lord, we have your future for us. And Lord, as we step into it every day, we trust you for it. We trust your blessing. We trust your good hand upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.